Hello, Herd, and welcome to another episode of our Clone Wars rewatch here at Nerd Herder. I'm your Herd leader, John Wayne. And I'm your Herd mom, Megan. And this week we are giving you guys a double dose. We're doubling down on the clone and the wars um, this week so that you know, we missed, um, <clears throat> not last week, the week before last, um, due to life arrangements. And so uh, in order to... The, the most difficult thing on our calendar to keep in track and the only thing we really have scheduled for really the next six months almost um, are these episodes, the Clone Wars episodes. And so we work off of those episodes based on, okay, we're going to talk about this, so let's do this on the main show or let's do this for the Monday Motivations. and So the Clone Wars episodes kind of are the standard for what the rest of the show and the schedule looks like. That said, when we miss a week of the Clone Wars and have to shift the Clone Wars back, that means everything else has to shift with it. So when we don't talk about Mortis that week on the Clone Wars, we can't talk about it on the main show that week, and so forth and so on. So um, in order to prevent us uh, copy and pasting a whole bunch of Excel spreadsheets and rearranging things. We're just doubling down on um, the episodes we're going to talk about. Also because right now we're going to talk about a three-parter and the next episode we're going to talk about a two-parter. So it's five episodes, it's manageable, and it gives you guys something to listen to over the weekend. So um, so yeah, and who who doesn't want more Clone Wars? Me. <laughs> you, <laughs> you say that every time, but we keep coming back. I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a game. Um, me. That's why it hurts. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, so we're talking about, here in this episode, we're going to talk about the Citadel arc. Um, and then in the next episode, we're going to talk about Padawan Lost. And with that, we will be done mm -hmm. with Season 3. Yeah. And we'll start getting into Season 4 next week, which is exciting. Just a matter of time before my trash boy returns. It, exactly 20 episodes. Exactly 20 episodes, <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, when we finished these, it was like, okay, we're... Because I, I had originally told Megan, okay, you know, I know they just teased Maul, but he doesn't actually come in until the next season. Okay, so we finished this, and it's like, okay, season four, Maul's coming back. Yeah, totally. Uh, one thing. It's, <laughs> 20 episodes later. Exactly. It's the season finale. <laughs> yeah. And then we don't see him again until Rebels. Uh, well, no, kind of, kind of. Um... But for, yeah, for the most part, it's, that's it. Um, people, in retrospect, a lot of people, even myself, we kind of blow up how much Maul was in it. Do you guys realize how far away we are from Rebels? Not that far. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, right. uh, two and a half seasons We're of Clone Wars. There. So, um, little, kind of technically a little over. Yeah. We've done three full seasons now. Three and a half seasons remain. Yes, Romain so, Now, Actually. you add in the other half season of season seven, then we've got three seasons. Then it's a even three-three, technically. Technically. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, so eventually, <laughs> eventually, I think, I think May is when we are going to talk about Maul. I think... Someday my garbage prints will come. <laughs> yes, I think May is when that episode is slated. And, and that's <clears throat> the important thing. That's why we say we can't really... If we move that, then what we're talking about about Maul that next mm -hmm. week, it'll, it's, it's complicated. So, just open your mouth and be ready to receive all the Star Wars um, today. 
but uh, this is this episode's about the Citadel arc, uh, and I really like this arc. It's um, up there with some of my favorites. I wouldn't say it's like top five or anything, but it's one of my mm -hmm. favorites. Um, I think it's <clears throat> a very fun and interesting one. Yeah. Um, and so it begins with season three, episode eighteen, the Citadel. Go figure. And so the moral of this episode is adaptation is the key to survival. Yes. Which is very true, given nothing that they plan really works out that well in this episode. Actually, no. in all of these episodes, <laughs> only one plan works, and that's when they get out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, and, and that's just true in life. Remember that you've got to, you can't stop change any more than you can stop the sun from setting, you know, blah, blah, blah. You gotta, gotta, gotta get comfortable with it. And even if you're not super comfortable, you gotta at least accept that it's gonna happen regardless of your comfort level. <laughs> yeah. The so. only way to stop the sun from rising is to fight the sun and defeat it. Or blow it up. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. If you want to go Vegeta with it. Well, no. They never blew up the sun. No, we blew up the moon. They blew up the moon. No, they, that was they Piccolo. Used, they used the sun to throw, you know, like, oh, you're unkillable? I'll just put you in the sun. Or the dead zone. You know? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Garlic Junior. That is not. That his was voice. peel off. <laughs> exactly. They look the same. Garlic Junior. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So um, onto yeah. You yeah. got that part. I, I do. Got I that don't part. know what happens in this episode. You gotta tell me. You wanna know what happens in Give, this episode? Tell me a story. I tell you a story. Get tucked in. Okay. Climb inside your sock. <laughs> okay. You ready? Sure. Uh, so the episode opens, and we learn that Jedi Evan Peel. Which has the most normal name, but spelled different. Uh, first know? name. His name is Evan. Evan, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the last name. I've always said P.L. P.L. Because gotcha. P.L. just doesn't sound like a name to me. It's, yeah. one, it's one of those things I've never, it's never quite well, worked he, for me. He looks like if he went in the sun for a while, he would peel. <laughs> uh, he's been captured, John. Yeah. Uh, but this isn't just any capture. Master P.L. and his crew have been taken to the Citadel. This is a supposedly impenetrable, inescapable prison that is very is on the very nasty planet of Lola Sayu, deep in the Separatist space. I'm thinking like space Alcatraz. Essentially. Even though someone did in fact escape from space Alcatraz. Well, Alcatraz. Regular Alcatraz. Yeah, space Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I actually never thought of the kind of similarities to Alcatraz and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, this is because Master PL has a secret navigational data called the Nexus Route, which in the route. wrong hand... I misspelled that. It's route. Route? Route. Oh, the Nexus Route. You're my, you're my spell checker, so you missed that. <laughs> well, I forgot what it was called, so <laughs> touche. If you forget how to spell a word, can you misspell it? <laughs> yes. Uh, which... In the wrong hands could seriously tip the scale of the war. Yeah, um, and that we we learn more about that later. And, and it's it seems like a simple thing of like okay, just put in the coordinates and go. But the reason they have hyperspace lanes uh, is essentially because if everybody just travels any way they want, you can probably run into each other. Mm -hmm. It's not like you can see where you're going in hyperspace. You just see hyperspace. So I'm sure after a number of ship collisions, they finally said, okay, we need to map the appropriate ways to get from this place to this place and that place to this, you know, so that mm -hmm. there's no 
um, collisions and, and whatnot. And if one route doesn't work, use another <clears throat> one, and so forth and so on. And that's why um, blockades work, is because you could get there without a hyperspace route, but you're really pushing your luck. You might run into an asteroid, you might run into another ship, you never know. Mm-hmm. So this, having this kind of data um, would seriously help because certain things the separatists just don't have access to. Um, you know, certain. You know, if you're if if you know certain highways are monitored, you want to know about the back roads, and that's just. But basically, what the Nexus route would give them is a map to the back roads mm-hmm. to get to certain um, locations, vital locations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as um, Evan Peel, uh, his species is Lanik. Um, he's the only one uh, I do believe that we have ever seen of his species. And during the time of the Phantom Menace, he was actually called Pink Yoda because he had pointy ears and was tiny. And that's apparently all it takes to be Yoda. Of course. Um, and that's actually where he first appeared was the Phantom Menace. And that's ac- technically his only appearance. Um, well, uh, done by an actress. Uh, and that, yeah, that's the other thing. She, he, uh, Evan Peel was played by a woman, even though he's a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, played by uh, Michaela Contrell. I assume that's how you say that. Uh, but anyway, so they actually used stock footage of Evan Peel for his appearance in Attack of the Clones. So technically, they on, the, the actress only played him in Episode 1. Weird. And he never showed up in Episode 3, so they had to come up with something for him. Well. Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Um, <clears throat> so the cool and interesting thing about the Citadel is that it's not just Danny prison, guys. It's a Jedi prison for Jedi. <laughs> it's a Jedi prison for Jedi. Yes. I, that's actually accurate. According to Anakin, for Jedi who have lost their way. What'd you, what'd you think of that? We didn't see anyone <laughs> in this well, episode because, other than our people. Well, yeah, because well, cause it came under Separatist control. This is old school stuff. This is... this. Gotcha. The Jedi weren't operating this. Hmm. Um, you know, they had different forms of disciplinary action by now. We've seen in the comics where basically um, you might be assigned to servitude in a form of imprisonment. So basically, you know, you're not released because you've done things you shouldn't be released for. Mm-hmm. But you're also not good enough to be just any Jedi, so we're going to make you the janitor. Or we're going to make you a librarian. Um, there's actually a few cases of that. So the disciplinary action got very different of the Jedi Order by the time of now. So they didn't use this prison. Mm-hmm. But it coincides with what we've talked We've talked about um, Bastilla Shan's ancestor, who she wasn't put in prison, but she was exiled to a remote planet mm-hmm. for having differing beliefs about Jedi marriage. Yeah. And so I, I'm not saying this is a direct reference to that, but it's, it's an interesting connection to see what it looked like back then back in the old days of the Republic, um, how they used to handle conflict. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, th- I thought it was interesting. I mean, it's it's more interesting now because, obviously, it's going to create some conflict for our heroes, but I also find it interesting that somewhere out there, there was a prison specifically designed for... Because you don't just put Jedi in any cell. Mm-hmm. If, if, you, if you're smart. If you're smart. So even the Jedi were smart enough to know, like, we can't just turn them over to the Republic forces. We can't just lock them up in any old place. We have to take them to some place special. 
Um, and it's, it's something that, again, kind of reinforces maybe the Jedi aren't as perfect as we thought. Yeah, well... Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Jedi have schematics for the facility, but they are very old. Mm -hmm. um, even still, they, won't, they know it won't be easy, so who better for the job than Anakin, Obi-Wan, Rex and Cody, and a special guest appearance by Fives and Echo. Yeah. My boys. Arc Troopers. Arc Troopers. I really like that they incorporate the use of like, okay, this is a serious mission. We need some extra tactical help. Yes. Because um, it makes sense for them to be there other than just, oh, we know these guys. Yeah. It's an actual, oh, it makes sense that you would need their kind of help. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they didn't take a whole bunch of ARC troopers because everybody else pretty much died. Obviously, other than Cody and Rex. Yeah. But it's like, but, you know. Yeah. Um, here, neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, but Ahsoka isn't happy when she's told that she isn't going. Anakin feels it's just too dangerous for her. Uh, so moving on with the plan, you pointed out to me, huh? I'm listening. That's my listening yeah. face. You made a very <laughs> odd listening face. <laughs> that uh, Anakin is the one who comes up with this plan, and mm -hmm. it is a very good plan. Yeah, I wanted to make sure you caught that. Yeah, uh, he has the bright idea that they will get fleshy organics past the droid scanners with carbon freezing. Yeah. Yay! Um, I mean, it works. So basically, you know, they have... Um, did you already mention the droid? No, you haven't mentioned... Well, R2 has reprogrammed droids. So they have that aspect covered. But, you know, they have... How are they going to hide themselves organically? And that's basically mm -hmm. to make them seem inorganic. Um, and it's not really explained how Anakin came up with the idea. I mean, he probably picked something up somewhere about... The yeah. concept with um, smuggling. I mean, you know, he, <clears throat> you know, spice smugglers used to talk about the moons of Diego to the kids. So he probably heard something about a smuggling routine like this. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not beyond belief that they would have a facility like this on Coruscant. Because carbon freezing, you know, we see it in the sense of like, oh, you know, you froze a person. Like, it's not what it's for. It's like, it, it's for freezing anything. Yeah. Um, and so if it can freeze celery, then it should be able to freeze people. And it would explain why he's confident in um, the, the technique by the time of Empire Strikes Back. Because he's done it. Yeah, it seems like he did that a lot. What's that? Just carbon freezing things. I can't think of any more off the top of my head. I mean, it's yeah. not as bad as that one level in the Force Unleashed where you can carbon freeze everyone. Like, you can literally uh, force grab hoses that and just unleash it on crowds and enemies. Like, there's a, an achievement where you uh, freeze all your enemies. It's really crazy. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I gotta play the Force Unleashed, guys. It's fun. Um, but, yeah. So, R2 has his team of reprogrammed battle droids. That will be... Yeah. Which, can I just mention, like, it defeats the purpose if you're going to... I mean, I understand giving them a paint job. Yes. But none of their paint jobs were subtle. Exactly. <laughs> like, they looked completely like, different from their brothers. That's not regulation. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, they'll be along for the ride to get her hero popsicles to the planet. Mm -hmm. um, when they arrive, they get a surprise that's not really a surprise for us, uh, as they see Ahsoka has tied along. Hagged, hagged along for the mission. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Uh, she speaks the truth when she says that she learned it from mannequins. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. He he kind of can't defend against that. Yeah. Um, uh, during our hero's infiltration, a misstep by one of the clones alerts the prison to their presence, and we are introduced to the fine scaly warden of the place, Osi Sobek. So Osi uh, Sobek is not a uh, malformed Trandoshan, although he kind of resembles a bit of what we know to be a Trandoshan. Yeah. Uh, he is a Fendian. It, and so, I mean, basically, if you make a Trandoshan lankier and creepier, uh, then you have O.C. Sobek, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the species actually comes from Expanded Universe, um, when they introduce it here, they wanted to do something. They they wanted to introduce a species we hadn't seen before, and so I thought it was pretty interesting. You know what we haven't seen before? What? Bopping. <laughs> no, we haven't. Um, so uh, the performance for his voice is actually based on um, a Christopher Walken impression. A bad one. <laughs> well, it's a bad one because it's not Christopher Walken's voice. It wouldn't be a bad impression if it sounded like Christopher Walken. I don't know why you're so critical of the the walking impression. Because I hate it. I like I hate this voice that he does. I don't know why. Well, it's the voice. It's not the walking impersonation. Yes. The 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 thing about walking is the the pronunciation and enunciation of certain words. It's yeah. The rhythm of words. The voice is a whole different thing. Yes. Goodness gracious. Um, I'm not. I'm not harshly criticizing Christopher Walken, by the way. You know, I couldn't tell. Goodness, no. it sounds like you got a vendetta. No, I love Christopher Walken. Mm, couldn't tell. Um, also, his tactical droid is uh, a big old reference. Um, his droid K2B4 is a reference to the Los Angeles Lakers, um, partly in be- uh, because of his color scheme, which is purple and yellow, and also because um, uh, KB24, Kobe Bryant 24, um, Gotcha. Yep. So, uh, in during development of this episode, the Lakers actually won the championship, and um, several people on staff are Lakers fans. So that's mm-hmm. how uh, that little nerd moment came about. So I wouldn't know. <laughs> I don't watch basketball. You don't watch most sports. <laughs> I, I say no to sports. Anyway, so inside, Master PL refuses to give in to the torture, which. These guys just love torturing Jedi with, like, the same thing. They're always, like, getting shocked. How do you torture a Jedi? I mean, you can't, like, you know, you gotta do something to break their will. So you shock them. Yeah. I mean, what else are you gonna do? I mean, they can't show, like, horrific torture. Like, the the most common form of acceptable TV torture or, or just... You know, light-hearted torture is just to shock them. <laughs> ah, light-hearted torture. Bit of the light torture, fantastic. You know. Uh, just in time, our rescue team arrives and frees PL. It's re- he reveals that he only knows half of the secret code. His captain memorized the rest. Mm-hmm. Clever. In their effort to free Master PL, officers... Mr. PL's officers, the team... Excuse me, Mr. Peel. Can I go to the bathroom? No. <laughs> Peer pants. Um, the team is ambushed. And we start to see how prepared the warden was. The Jedi and clones are disarmed by magnets. 
and the droids use their magnetized feet to withstand force pushing. It's clever. It's very clever. I mean, you think they would have come up with this stuff by now. I mean, it further reinforces they could have more effectively fought against the Jedi, but that kind of stuff costs money, and that's what they're not willing to do. Yeah. Uh, so Anakin has stuck to the magnet, which was very funny. Yeah. Yeah, you really liked that part. That it made me laugh very hard because it's just the image of him just like whoop, going up <laughs> to the ceiling with his lightsaber, mm -hmm. um, and resists the electrical shocks he's receiving in order to slash the magnets, and help turn the tide on the ambushing droids. Uh, with that done, the rescue can commence finally, and surprise, surprise, it turns out Master Peel's captain is none other than Tarkin. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think of that reveal? I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Like, I also wasn't expecting him to look exactly the same. Well, no, not the same. He's definitely younger. Yes. I mean, it's no. it's 21-ish years, so he's probably like 50 The ripe old point. age of young. 50, 55-ish. Um, yeah, yeah I, mean, he, I mean, he didn't just come into military career based on uh, the empire mm -hmm. um you know we see here he i mean he was probably part of the republic before the clone wars even mm -hmm. uh but a guy like tarkin would probably enjoy the the you know war yes um so i i i'd always enjoyed i thought this you know to go ahead and spoil it you know in the next episodes we're talking about of padawan lost chewbacca shows up yeah i didn't like that as much as I like this. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, like, just because a Wookiee shows up, it doesn't have to be Chewbacca. Right, and and I think that's the thing. I mean, because when you're looking at, okay, we want an officer to be with Tarkin, mm -hmm. and why don't we take the opportunity to make it someone important? You know, you don't want it to just be another clone officer or, yeah. you know, generic. You know, I thought that this was a well-spent opportunity of, hey, what if we introduced Tarkin and gave him a bit of history? And not only that, it's got a very, very interesting relationship with um, Anakin, mm -hmm. you know, in this episode. So I think there was a lot of reason to choose Tarkin. Mm -hmm. With Chewbacca, though, it's like you said, it's so somebody suggested a Wookiee, which makes sense. I like the idea of Wookiees, Trandoshans. We know there's some bad blood there. Yes. So, yeah, you bring in a Wookiee. But it doesn't have to be Chewbacca. Could just be anyone. Now, I would have liked if it was a, a different Wookiee. And yeah. in the end, when the rescue comes, then Chewbacca shows up. Yeah, maybe like Tarful or something. Well, Tarful was there. Well, yeah. Oh uh, well, I mean, oh, I mean, yes. Yeah, actually, that <laughs> that would have been nice because Tarful. We really, I mean, it's nice he shows up at the end, but it would have been nice to spend a little bit of time with him. Um, yeah, I, I thought that would be uh, a better use. So I'll say mm -hmm. I'll, I, I appreciate this episode. I mean, this this arc's use of character reference. Yes. Um, and Stephen Stanton does the voice for Tarkin, does an amazing job, really good job capturing Tarkin mm -hmm. um, and whatnot. And, of course, the animators do a good job of giving... Because Tarkin, he sounds as regal as he looks. Yes. And so um, the combination of good voice acting and good designing and animation yeah. really make you feel like this is Tarkin. Oh, yeah. And I, it's one of those things, like, you cannot not be, like, 
in awe of Tarkin in the films because that's years and years of uh, classically trained actor right there. Yeah, I mean, he steals the show in anything he mm -hmm. does. Absolutely. I, I mean, we watched Tales from the Crypt, and he was in that. And he was in a totally different role than you would imagine yeah. um, him being in. Uh, yeah. He was a sweet old man, basically. Mm -hmm. And even still, while not having a prolific horror icon character, um, he stole the show from everybody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, throughout the entire show, honestly, he was probably the most accredited actor <laughs> yeah i feel like he probably knew the guy that wrote it or did it because for him to be like oh yeah i'll do i'll do that mm -hmm. I, you know i don't know how they manage not that yeah. i feel like peter cushing was necessarily like oh that's beneath me mm -hmm. but at the same time knowing he had quite the list of roles oh yeah i i'd imagine thinking oh well this would be fun but i have to get ready for this or i'm you know yeah whatever but and also just like watching Terror of Dracula, mm -hmm. which I did, you did not. But um, you're waiting for uh, for Van Helsing to show up. And mm -hmm. then when he does, you're blown away by Peter Cushing because mm -hmm. he is fantastic in that role. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's one of yeah. those guys that just has such a presence mm -hmm. um, and whatnot. And, and it's really interesting because... Um, Carrie Fisher actually talked about how it was hard to be mean to him as Tarkin because Peter Cushing himself was just so nice. And so I, I found that, I mean, the dude wore, wore fuzzy slippers yeah. on the set of Star Wars. So how can you be angry? Oh, and I'm, I'm not talking about when they weren't shooting. I'm talking about in scenes. If you don't see him in boots, he's wearing fuzzy slippers all the time. <laughs> just imagine that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Tarkin, the character, iconic. I think he was well used, and yeah, I mean, Peter Cushing was just great. Yeah, and I feel great. like he was captured well here. Honestly, I felt the same with Rogue One, too. Yeah, definitely. I felt, I felt like that was right to do, it was necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think everything that combined together to create it yeah. was really great. And they did well with his little mannerisms. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing, is, you know, the Clone Wars paid as close as, I mean, the Clone Wars, they don't have the budget or um, time to do what, obviously, Rogue One did, yeah. animating-wise, but the team clearly paid close attention and were careful. They knew who they were dealing with, like, okay, this is Tarkin, this is an icon character of Star Wars. We don't want to mess it up. We want to get it very right, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that comes through when you see him. Definitely. Um... So, in order to make their escape, Obi-Wan suggests splitting up, which is a great idea, Scooby Gang. <laughs> right. Uh, though, that way, if anyone is captured, they will only have half the codes. That is smart, though. Yeah. A plan that Tarkin thinks is stupid and is very honest about. <laughs> uh, we start to see what that Tarkin really doesn't believe in the Jedi's ability. Rather, he believes in facts and tactics. Yeah, I can't criticize him too much. We'll get into that part, but I mean, now, I will say, that is a smart plan that, I mean, you've already split the code. Yeah. Why would you risk getting caught together and having both parts? Exactly. Um, I just think that Tarkin just likes being contrary. I think so. I think he's a contrarian, yeah. definitely. And yeah. I, th I think it's... It's not my plan, therefore it's wrong. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think it has to be Tarkin's thing. I mean, because even when it wasn't his thing, he would take it. 
The Death Star. The Death Star. It's like, this is mine now. <laughs> I made this. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, this is the guy who came up with, like, uh, the triple zero complex. Uh, well, it was yeah. developed under him. Yeah, the Tarkin Initiative. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was the one that his his group in, uh, was responsible with coming up with weapons of mass destruction, mm -hmm. basically. And, I mean, it takes just, a ruthless dude. I want to know who developed the triple zero. <laughs> like, well, they did... I, I, I want to say they did triple zero. I know for sure they did BT-1. I yes. BT-1, I know is um done under the Tarkin initiative mm -hmm. i'm not sure about triple zero okay. uh, thank i know you. he's homicidal yes big boy so I, I can understand uh confusion yeah uh, if he's not under the Tarkin initiative you guys can let us know yeah i know for one for one bt is thank you for my bt one shirt by the way i really liked it you can thank ben Brophy. Thank you, Ben Brophy. Um, he's got a Tee Public uh, store with a few designs. He's got. He loves to do droid art. Mm -hmm. We love droids. We got um, Bucket and uh, BT One, and I think he's also got a BB Eight, uh, and he's taking suggestions, I believe, for future ones. So, um, Ben Brophy, you can find him on Twitter, and you can check out his Tee Public page. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some of my favorite shirts. There you go. Uh, regardless, they split up. Obi-Wan, Cody, and PL remain inside to sneak their way to the landing pad, while Anakin, Ahsoka, Tarkin, Fives, and Echo head to the passages outside to get to the landing pad. And by the way, there's unnamed clones accompanying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're it, all gonna die, so it doesn't it, matter. It really doesn't. Uh, you know, except I mean, for one. We try to, we try to be, uh, I mean, obviously, if our hero clones yeah. um, are usually safe. <laughs> Usually, um, but don't basically all the other guys, um, they're just there for fodder. Yeah. A lot of clones die throughout these episodes. Right? From the traps and just misstep, like, you know. Yeah. I, I don't, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> like we talked about when we were watching last night, just. just oh, a lot of death. A lot of death for a kid's show. What, um, I think they're getting to the point where they're comfortable you know, they know what they can do, and they know that they have to have stakes. And so, I'm not saying that they kill people just for the heck of it, but for the story-wise, it's like, we don't want everyone to come out and scathe. We don't want it to seem like our heroes always win. We want we want some cost, and we want some, you know, um, weight to, okay, all of these clones might not make it. All of these Jedi might not make it. You know, you want to keep that kind of fresh, because that that's what keeps the story interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I understand why they do it. I mean, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying that in in some instances throughout this, it's kind of, it's kind of silly just for the sake of showing off a cool trap, basically. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, there's a trap in, you know, it's like, oh, there's unnamed clone number four. Ah, uh, darn If it. only he ran faster. <laughs> I mean, clones, most clones um, are basically equatable to red shirts. You know, yeah. they're there to fill out and then die. Yeah, that's the thing. About the Clone Wars. Yeah. I mean, it's the Clone Wars. I mean, it's war. Yeah. People are going to die. And it's got to be clones because most most of the Jedi don't die until obvi the obvious Order 66 part. Most. And most of them die by, by clones. So. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Irony. <laughs> um, <coughs> but yeah, so that's our that's our introduction to the Citadel. And yeah. so it's, it's a pretty good start off. And 
I like the ending of the kind of like, okay, what's next? The kind of, you know, there's not a whole lot of hope in the situation. Although, we, we know no. who makes it out. Now. I mean, <laughs> like, but, but there's a lot of uncertainty with, okay, none of their plan worked in this episode. Now, you know, now what are they going to do? Um, so it creates this kind of big intrigue for the next episode. So, we won't make you guys wait. We'll get into the next episode. Moving on to Season 3, Episode 19, Counterattack. So they've made it to the Citadel. Things didn't quite work out. Now we're kind of splitting things up to see how our heroes are going to get off of this uh, little facility, um, which is the big task, because originally they were just supposed to be sneaky and whatnot. That didn't work. Mm -hmm. So um be interesting to see how they escape. They don't. Uh, at least not till the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, the moral of this one, though, is anything that can go wrong will. A little bit of Murphy's Law. Yeah, it's and it's very appropriate. Again, in the last one, not a lot worked. This one, not much more works out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it, the, the perspective of, of that um, is what you make it. You can take it the pessimistic and cynical route of anything that can go wrong will, so I'm not going to do anything. Yep. Or you can take it the optimistic route and the uh, pragmatic route of Anything that can go wrong will, so I'm going to do everything I can to make sure nothing could go wrong. And if it does, I'll have a backup plan. Yes. Plan A through Z. Yeah, exactly. It's the old yeah. Scottish proverbs, the best laid plans of mice and men oft go, oft go wrong. Yep. Well, that's why we have uh, backup plans. What, what kind of plans do mice have? Get the cheese. Get the cheese. <laughs> Don't die. Don't die. Get the cheese, don't die. Get the cheese, don't die. Take, kill a man, take his shoes. <laughs> kill a man, take his shoes. Kill a man, eat your teeth. <laughs> now I gotta start that again. Okay. Anyway, so the two teams continue making their way to the landing pad. Anakin's team has to deal with the harsh conditions outside and avoid patrols, while Obi-Wan and PL's team is climbing through the ductwork. I wonder what kind of tape they use. <laughs> the quack tape. <laughs> <laughs> The quacky monkey lizard. Yeah, tape. exactly. <laughs> uh, during this, we get a nice suspenseful scene as a trap is triggered yet again, and the doors on each level in the ducts begin closing like guillotines. And of course, one clone trooper is caught. Of course. Of course. Uh, unnamed clone number six. You I, will be I, They may have called out his name. Usually, we're pretty good about catching their names, but um, Jeff. At this time, I didn't get it. Yeah. It'd be well. No, it'd be funny if it was Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Um, they 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 can, they're good at that kind of thing. There can be. I mean, it's a little silly almost, but sometimes it's just very poetic. Mm -hmm. What what the what they name them? Yeah. Uh, now the team is slowed down as they have to cut through the drawer drawers. I don't know. Uh, to continue making their way. <laughs> um. So, the cool thing about the Citadel is how many visual cues there are that, for us, are reminiscent of the Death Star, but Death in Star. universe, and, uh, really, the Death Star is reminiscent of the Citadel, um, which isn't too far off since Tarkin seemed to be very impressed with the Citadel. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you can't blame him, um, given the fact that the facility is really stumping them. It's giving them a hard time. Mm -hmm. And arguably, under good management, uh, they actually wouldn't be able to escape. Yes. And so, I mean, 
even if you're not looking f at it for evil plans of, oh, this is going to be great for, you know, rebels and Jedi, mm -hmm. and just in general of having a facility that is high enough security, um, I mean, really, it's not about the droids. The droids aren't hardly doing anything. Mm -hmm. It's mostly about the facility itself and the traps. Yes. So it's admirable in the sense that you basically have a prison that almost manages itself. Almost. You know. Uh, so, I mean, if you had some big bads, I mean, this would be a place I would imprison a Sith, you know. I mean, I feel like I could trust it. Mm -hmm. um, so, I think I think it's just interesting there. Um, now, we don't know as much. Most of it's just, oh yeah, the cameras look the same, there's mouse droids, you know, there's similar paneling on the outside. There, yeah. You know, it's, it's little things, but it's also enough to make you think of, oh, Tarkin probably took some notes or probably sent somebody back and said, hey... You know, get get the gist on this place. I want to I want to mm -hmm. keep it for personal research. Personal research, right? Um, I don't know what it is, but small animal themed droids are my weakness. <laughs> like mouse droids, I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. Like when we go to Galaxy's Edge, I'm going to buy a mouse droid. I think you can. Yeah, uh, rabbit droids, I love because oh, yeah. they're so tiny. <laughs> they got the little ears and the pot bellies. They're so cute. <laughs> they remind me of little babies. Oh. Ugh. I love them. They are adorable. They are cute. Um, gonk droids, too. Oh, yeah. Big battery droids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think they're just cute because they're big, don't, chunky, don't, and slow. <laughs> Me! Oh. Me! No. I'm small, chunky, and slow. No, you're not. You're slow, physically. Yes. Like, literally, like, I have, I have to slow myself down uh, in order to not lose you in public places, but... Unless we're at Disney. I had you're pretty good. Yeah, you're pretty good at Disney. A, I think I it's just because it's like drive. Disney, Disney, <laughs> Disney. I have so much anxiety. I'm going to go. Dis Disney's better fuel than coaxium. Hey. Um, meanwhile, Sobek comforts a worried Dooku that he can get the job done. That was the voice. But don't the way. worry, Dooku. Don't worry, Dooku. I will get the Jedi. <laughs> oh, I hate it. <laughs> it's not that bad, but like. It, oh. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's just bad. <laughs> it's just bad. I just want to, like, go up to James Ronald Taylor and be like, Why? What was that? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> like, we might get to meet him at a celebration. No, we are. I paid yeah. for it. <laughs> we are going to meet him at a celebration. We better if I paid for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, unless, you know, God yeah. forbid he can't be there for serious reasons. But, yeah. you know. I'm just going to show him a picture of the character and be like, Why? What is this? What did you what do? What is this? You haunt me, sir. Squirt him with a water bottle and be like, no. No. Bad um. lumbax. <laughs> yeah. Um, outside, we see Ahsoka and Tarkin aren't too chummy. And it's made worse when Anik that Anakin tends to agree with Tarkin's point of view. Hmm. Not surprising, though. Not surprising at all. Um, so, just a little bit about Tarkin. Wilhuf Tarkin... Uh, was an intelligent and at times ruthless military leader. And we see that uh, a bit in the Clone Wars, much more later. Um, uh, but we see it especially in his uh, Imperial career, when it was arguably more acceptable for him to be the kind of guy he is. Arguably. Um, of course, uh, this attracted Palpatine's attention, who awarded Tarkin with the rank, the rank of Grand Moff, and the power that came with it as Tarkin showed his ruthlessness in spreading the Imperial regime and like we mentioned already the Tarkin initiative he began leading studies into um, very powerful 
uh, weapons that would be used for quote unquote peacekeeping purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, just in general, the dude is, although he seems, you know, old and frail and like, oh, he's not that much. I mean, he's he's very, he's a tough cookie, yeah. um, and he's got some very. Uh, narrow views of certain things, particularly yeah. like the Jedi and rebels, yeah. and you know he, he's got some ideals. Yeah, and the only reason he's on the side of, you know, the Republic is for what it gains him, but the mm-hmm. Empire gains him a lot more. Um, yeah. Like I said, I think he enjoyed the fact that he could be much more himself in the Empire because nobody's going to tell him, "No, you can't do that. We're the good guys." Nope, we're not. Everybody knows it. <laughs> well. Most you know, people. Most people know most that. Most people. Um, yeah. There's the delusional and ignorant, but for the most part, even the Imperials are self-aware. Yeah. Like, I'm not here to help you. And that's something that is a real-life thing that happened. Oh, yeah. It yeah. happens in, in, in many uh, dictatorship um, yeah. you know, situations and whatnot. Pe- they're people convinced, oh, we're the good guys, no matter how many people you right. are slaughtering. Yeah. And so, you know, here the main thing is that, you know, Tarkin just seems to believe that the Jedi just aren't good enough for mm-hmm. the role that they're playing. And, um, you know, Anakin tends to agree. Yeah. And I think that's what's frustrating for Ahsoka because she wants Anakin to take her side of like, oh, he's not very grateful. He's not very nice. And it's like, yeah, yeah but he's a good leader. What? I mean. Yeah. But that's probably the compromise a lot of people have made. It's like mm-hmm. that Tarkin guy, he's, he's, he's a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, but he's a really good leader. Mm-hmm. So we he, keep him around. He gets the job done. Mm. Mm. You know, it, it's amazing what we're willing to overlook when people do what we want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, so that's a, that's just a little bit about Tarkin there. We will see him again in the Clone Wars. So, and not just in the next episode, but later down the line. And we'll get to see a lot more of the true Tarkin, I think, yeah. in those instances. Definitely. Um, so back to the mission. Uh, R2 is figured out by K2B4. Luckily, R2's loyal droids play along and volunteer to take R2 to interrogation. Mm-hmm. It's a funny little scene. It's cute. It is funny. It's cute. Um, I just, I love battle droids for yeah. some reason. I, this is, this is no longer the Nerd Herder podcast. This is the Megan Loves Droid podcast. <laughs> like, I don't know about that. I talk about my favorite droids. Hey guys, you know about Triple Zero? Yes. Most well, uh, some people. A lot do. of people do. Um, hey guys, you like gonk droids? <laughs> hey, hey guys, you like astromech droids? I do. That was my stomach. <laughs> anyway, even your stomach's like, oh, droids. <laughs> <laughs> when did they get to learn? I'm an actual trash compactor. Um, Afterwards, Ahsoka kind of gives it away that maybe she wasn't really assigned to the mission last minute by Master Plo, like she said. Uh, when they reach a dead end, she doesn't know which way to go, and the team is ambushed. Anakin jumps in and is able to set things straight so the team can keep going. Uh, yet again, very lightsaber happy. Well, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. they're droids. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, the other team is having their own trouble as they reach the top of the tower where the speeders are kept and they are ambushed and Sobek orders them to be taken to interrogation. He loves taking people to interrogation. He really does. Um, How many interrogation rooms are there? Well, probably a lot. It's a big place. Yeah. 
So uh, during that whole exchange, there's an interesting part where Obi-Wan comments that Sobek isn't what he pictured and teases his soft voice. Uh, which is funny because Sobek is played by James Arnold Taylor. Yeah, so, so it's basically it, him I, making fun of himself. Yeah, I appreciated that little um, thing because it's just, if you know who's playing who, it's a little funny line. But it's also funny just from Obi-Wan's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut back to Anakin's team again, and they have reached a fuel line maintenance pipe and enter the pipe to make their way to the landing pad. Along the way, Anakin and Tarkin find common ground when Tarkin criticizes the Jedi's order inability to be effective military leaders, and of course, Anakin agrees. Not wrong. No, not really. They weren't trained to be military leaders. No, and because their main thing is, like, you're a Jedi, which means you can't do the things that are necessary for war. And Anakin's like, you know what? I agree. And Anakin knows from the perspective of, like, I've tried to get things done and they won't let me because I'm a Jedi. That's not the Jedi way. Mm -hmm. You know, so he has personal experience with being frustrated, like, I wish I could do more, but I'm a Jedi. With Tarkin, though, it's much more, if he had his way, there would be no Jedi. It would only be Sith, because only the Sith would implore the same tactics Tarkin would. Mm -hmm. And so it's not really about Tarkin wanting the Jedi to be better. Anakin wants the Jedi to be better. He wants the Jedi to be able to be the heroes that they say they should be. Even though at the same time that they say they should be heroes, they also say that we shouldn't be in this war. And it's But mm-hmm. it's like, but you don't do anything. Exactly. You're not making any effort to end the war. Exactly. I mean, you're just kind of peddling. You're fighting it. Yeah, you're just kind of peddling along the process. Like, you say, okay, we, we, we need to do this and we'll end it. Yeah, but that's... That's why this is a difficult moment, because it's just like, you want to be like, ugh, you guys are wrong, but they're also not, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think the right answer is then to say, okay, they're not this way, so we should make them this way. The right answer is, they're not this way, so we should not be involved. Mm-hmm. The Jedi just shouldn't be involved. Uh, and if they are involved, they should be third party. Exactly. You know, um, Because, honestly, the, the Jedi fighting for the Republic further enforces this uh, misunderstanding that the separatists are all the bad guys. Mm-hmm. We've already seen episodes with Mina Bonteri where it's like, no, some of them just want peace, and the Republic's not giving them that. Yeah. And so they choose to go with the separatists because at least the separatists are supposedly fighting for it. Supposedly. Um, yes. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh they, the group finally emerged from the pipe near the landing pad after an explosive confrontation with some droids. Uh, Sobek learns that the other group never made it to interrogation. Go figure. Um, well, first of all, you, you let droids escort clones and Jedi. Just yeah. like, oh, just take, like, take no, them yourself, dude. You, you've been so careful all this other point, and now all of a sudden you want to be like, oh, it's fine, just let a few battle droids do it. Mm-hmm. Really? Uh... So, they were instead rescued by R2 and his droids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sobek realizes that the two teams are heading for the landing pad. For the landing pad? The landing the pad. Landing pad near the uh, modern. Osh posh magosh shop. <laughs> yes, near the haberdashery. <laughs> uh, and they had to prepare for them. Uh, this is where it gets real actiony and sad. Uh, one of the scenes you watch and you know somebody is coming die mm-hmm. yeah. uh, when everyone arrives to the landing pad they are pinned down and can't get to their shuttle and in a last ditch effort to take out the turrets and secure the shuttle echo rushes in 
but is killed by the blast from one of the turrets. Along with Echo, their only escape is gone, so the teams retreat into the caves below the Citadel, and the Jedi Council then decides that they will have to get more involved if the teen is going to have any hope of escaping. Couldn't have realized that a little sooner. Well, the thing is, they couldn't do a full-on invasion to get this done. I mean, they would have lost too many resources for two people and some codes. Mm-hmm. You know, the risk was much more minimal with sending in a small team to extract them. The problem is, they couldn't do a good, good enough job of it, and so now they're actually going to have to spend a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. So whereas maybe a couple guys would have died to get a couple guys rescued, now, you know, I mean, I didn't do a kill count on how many clones were shot down in the space battle. I didn't, I, I think even one of the cruisers got destroyed. So it's like a, a lot more loss was taken mm -hmm. than needed to be. So the, the council, I mean, it seems like, a well, why didn't they do that in the first <clears> place? But at the same time, they were trying to minimize casualties. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were trying to at least be conservative and sneaky um, and at least not alert um, the entire, you know, not alert Dooku, mm -hmm. you know, separatist leadership of what was happening. Yeah. And I think I've said before, but like the Clone Wars was expensive. Yeah. And, and I mean, when they say like, oh, it's going to take this long to get this ready or, oh, we don't have that. Kind of, I mean, it's, it's legit. It's true. They don't have endless resources. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah. so I think that's where this plan came from. And now all of a sudden, that's why it's difficult to be like, okay, so now I've got to find three cruisers. I've got to get them fully staffed, which is at least a couple thousand people. I've got to make sure we've got plenty of starfighters because there's going to be a blockade. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, that's a lot more stuff to get ready. And, and they managed to get it ready yeah. in a matter of hours to pick these guys up, which is impressive. Mm -hmm. But it's like, that's a lot more effort than just sending in a team that's carbon frozen, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, and that's like, it's one of those things, like, you really see how the Empire got to be where it is. Like, the true post-apocalyptic landscape that we see. Yeah. Because the Clone War effectively crippled the Republic. Yep, financially and, re you know, and in terms of resources. And that's why, exactly. that's why the Empire employed so many um, st uh, slaves, mm -hmm. is because they needed free labor. That's exactly. why quality went down in their um, troops, is because they couldn't put in the, um, the proper amount of investment mm -hmm. and so forth. But, um, so not to skip up, we don't want to be like, uh, hello Greedo and skip over the fact that Echo died in wow. this. He, here's the That's thing. That's a call out, John. Well, no, I'm joking. Yeah. He, I, the, I'm making fun of it because people really ran him over the rakes for that. And to be fair, when I first watched this, you know, when it you first aired, yeah. I didn't notice. <laughs> there was so much going on. Mm -hmm. And you expect your heroes to get a big triumphant death if they're going to die. Mm -hmm. And no. Echo, Echo's just kind of blasted. Just and so, and they move on so quickly. Yep. And they really don't address it. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those moments where it's like, I think it was probably the second time I watched it. Um because what they used to do is they would, when a new episode came out, they would actually pr play last week's episode before it. So you'd see the episode again before the new one, which is really cool. But um, I think it was that time when I was sitting down to watch episode 20, I rewatched this, and that's when I, f I finally realized, oh crap, that was Echo. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I don't know. I kind of wish he had gotten more. Yeah, me too. But at the same time... 
not meant, you know, really, I think heavy set up the un unreasonable <laughs> expectations that they should go out with a bang. Yeah, and I think the reason we get so, you know, attached to Domino Squadron is because we've spent the most time with them, really. Right, and yeah. and that's the thing, is like, if it was any other clone, it wouldn't make a difference, but... Yeah, unless it was like Rex and Cody. Well, yeah, but, I mean, yeah. if it was any other, not, when I say any other clone, I don't mean... yeah. Commanders or people we're no, we're, we know well, um, you know. If it was in, if it was just anyone, it wouldn't be a big deal. But it's um, it's one of the clones we spent a lot of time with. Mm -hmm. And first of all, they had a lot of guts to do that. I mean, after they'd already killed Heavy and everyone know, else. Well, I mean, Thomas to be sculpture. well, to be fair, they killed all them first, yeah. and then decided to go back and say, "Oh, we're going to make them a nice, cute little team." Mm -hmm. The thing is, if you go back and watch Rookies, Cut Up doesn't really get much... Uh, he gets eaten by a worm. Mm -hmm. um, Droid Bait just gets shot. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those... Now, and Cut Up was actually a big piece of the um, Clone Cadets episode. Yep. You know, he was the one that um, one of the uh, trainers picked on a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where it's like, you give them all this personality, and then it goes to show that sometimes they don't get their just desserts. They don't get... Um, a big, not everybody gets a big triumphant end. Yeah. Sometimes they just die. That, and that's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate for anyone to die in war. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously we're talking fictional, but you know, um, when you come to know characters, you feel like it has to be worth it. It has yeah. to be big. And I just feel like this was a little quick and a little unaddressed. Yeah. Especially since now Fives is the only member left. You know, it's one of those moments where it's like, oh, all right, so there we go. Um, yeah, I, he's got to deal with so much. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. Um, and so, yeah, he's he's the uh, he's the last of Domino Squad, um, which is just, I mean, like you said, we spent some time with him, and... So it's this kind of emotional moment where it's like this whole team we started with. I mean, Rookies was one of the first episodes. Um, so this team we kind of started with now is all all pretty much gone, mm -hmm. save for Fives. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a little while before we see Fives again. Um, but And by the way, I'm just going to point out the fact that story reels aren't canon until I see episode 7 and I'm speaking to the herd <laughs> do not at me on twitter story reels will be considered canon if the season 7 return of clone wars does not contradict them mm -hmm. until then don't come at me saying it's canon and I'm not clarifying what that means please don't because I don't want to know so but, you better not uh, it better not but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's emotional, but it's also not, because it just makes you move on so quick mm -hmm. to get to the next thing. Yeah. So, without further ado, the next thing. The um, next thing. Season 3, episode 20, Citadel Rescue. The moral of this one is, without honor, victory is hollow. Mm. And this kind of alludes to the ending of this episode, where I think we're called, you know, what we think is a victory, I think in... In the end, because of uh, some choice dialogue, it makes us question, uh, how, how good is this victory? Mm -hmm. But we'll talk about that when we actually get to the end. Yeah. 
after calling the council for help, our heroes are told to reach a small island away from the citadel in order to be picked up. And this is not an ideal situation, since the Separatist resistance will will be very tough to get through in order to land, even land for a pickup, let alone get back off the world. Uh, but that's why Master Sessi Ten, Kit Fisto, Plo Koon, and Adigalia will be going along to make sure it gets done. Yeah, I liked Sessi uh, Ten shows up here. He showed up in um, the... Um, oh, well... He showed up in a couple episodes later. We, by the way, we're we're a little ahead. Yes. Um, but uh, I enjoy when they at least show them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're not going to have adventures with all these other great Jedi, I at least appreciate frequency in showing them off. Yeah. Um, I do wish at least like Sissy Ten and um, Ajin Kolar had gotten something because they're the guys that go with Mace to kill Palpatine. I feel like it would have been nice to show off of like because really you watch episode three they look weak mm-hmm. but if you were to give them some adventures to show okay no they're not weak palpatine's just super strong yeah i feel like i would have liked that yeah and that's why i love it whenever kit fisto shows up in the clone wars yeah and and i feel like they i wish they could have done more with more jedi yeah um i mean Here's the thing. I'm all fine with Ahsoka always being up front and center. Mm-hmm. I, I am one of those, I believe The Clone Wars is Ahsoka's show. Yes. Um, but I feel like, as much as I love the character development that they gave specifically Anakin and the relationship they gave between Obi-Wan and Anakin, I wouldn't have minded if we got less Obi-Wan and Anakin. You know, I, I wouldn't have minded if we had traded them for some other Jedi every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, because just recognizing these aren't the only guys you know they aren't the only jedi yeah um would be nice because we don't really get those stories it's just like they're background characters constantly mm-hmm. and it's just it'd be nice to see them more used but that's i always have that complaint yeah um when dooku contacts sobek again to check how things are going he reveals his intent for these plans for these evil plans hashtag evil plans <laughs> Uh, his, his master wants a way for a separatist fleet to arrive at Coruscant undetected. The Nexus route codes would ensure that that would happen. Yeah, and we, I mean, so, we, we know how that ends up. Now, they don't get the codes, spoiler alert. Ah. But, we know why they wanted it. You know, if you've seen episode three, you know why they wanted it. Because they wanted to invade Coruscant and kidnap Palpatine. And they do. And they do, eventually. So, I'm not sure how, I mean... Quite possibly at the end, when everybody gets back, is when Palpatine gets the codes anyway. Mm-hmm. So I guess he figured, like, if we can kill a few Jedi and get the codes, great. But if they escape, you know what? It's actually not that bad. Mm-hmm. I get the codes anyway. Yeah. So. Anakin will tell me. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Uh, so the teams travel further into the caves to make their way to the extraction zone as they are chased by more droids. There's so many droids in this episode. Mm-hmm. So many droids. So many deaths of droids. Poor <laughs> Are there always? Mm-hmm. Uh, R2 squad of reprogrammed battle droids do what they can to hold them off so that the team can escape. But that works about as hilariously bad as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're not quite all there. Um, but the 30 seconds it takes to destroy the droids is enough for the others to escape. 
with them dug in the cave, Sobek orders a pack of hungry dogs to be unleashed to hunt them down. Mm-hmm. What are these dogs called? Jim? They are the Anubas. Um, and, Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. It, their, their profile, um, their silhouette profile is based on Anubis, <gasps> the, the dog-like head, you know. Um, so, yeah, the Anubas that appear in this episode, um, I call them buck-tooth wolves just because that's basically what they are. Uh, and it's the silliest looking thing ever. Um, they were first designed for the Phantom Menace to appear on Tatooine. Uh, and their cages in this episode were based on the Velociraptor cages in Jurassic Park. Hmm. So it's, uh, pretty cool. They're kind of similar to the little, um, dog creatures that we actually do see on Tatooine in... Uh, Attack of the Clones at the Tusken Raider camp. But um, these are bigger and nastier, definitely. Ah, yes. I see now. Yeah, it's not... Like, if you're not looking... It's very easy to not see that they have the large tooth. Yeah, they've got, like, this weird... Like, under underbite. Mm-hmm. That's just... Yeah, and that that's what's so weird to me, is it's like, I get that. I mean... You know, saber-toothed tiger. I get it. That I get the practicality of having yeah. it on the top row, but having it on the bottom seems so weird. Yeah, and they're also like really profiled in a very dark scene. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, well, because all the cave sequences in this, so if it's dark. not near the lava, it's very darkish. So dark. So, because in a lot of instances, most of the light is coming from the lava. Mm-hmm. So. Well, uh, back to the buddy sitcom, Tarkin and Annie. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, the two continue to bond over their shared criticism of the Jedi. And it's funny when Tarkin tries to impress Anakin by mentioning that he knows the Chancellor, and Anakin gets to say, "Yeah, me too, buddy." <laughs> right? Yeah. Boy, special. Um, I think that's when they officially kind of really bond because Tarkin just has this look like, "Oh, if Palpatine likes you." <laughs> Any friend of Palpatine is a friend of mine. Did we just become best friends? Yes, we did. <laughs> After that brief pause, the Anubas catch up to our group, and Anakin and Obi-Wan hold some of them off, but not all of them. And close behind the hounds are the droids on speeders. Ah. <laughs> uh, when Ahsoka and Peel are distracted by droids attacking their position, one Anubas attack... They attack Peel very viciously. And he's a little guy, so the dog kind of just throws him around like a toy. Yeah, it's actually kind of, it's yeah. kind of sad, funny. Yeah. In the sense, like, oh, oh, they wouldn't be able to do that if you were like two feet taller. Yeah. <laughs> like he bites and nobody goes, hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like uh, Goku in um, uh, DBZ abridged. Just like you squeak him, uh, you squeeze him enough, he he squeaks. Me too. Everybody loves to squeeze Goku. Um, they really do. Why? Muffin button. Um, he's. I mean, he would have died either way. Yeah. Because where they the the Anubis bit him in the neck, which is where why it was fatal. Mm -hmm. But I feel like him being so tiny just didn't help. Because it's it's really hard. First of all, you're killing a Jedi with a dog. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's tiny, so the dog just kind of like. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> it's just he's a big dog yeah it's it's hard to be a vicious scene but it's also vicious because it's also like oh he just killed a jedi yeah what a way to go man yeah um ahsoka rescues him but it's too late the master is using the last of his strength to give the codes to ahsoka he says only to deliver it to the jedi council 
Mm-hmm. And that, that comes back later. Yeah, it does. Um, so originally this was a big conflict because um, in several comics, Peel wasn't killed until after Order 66. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was a little different to see this. I mean, and I had even read the comics. Or uh, what was it? I think it was a book, actually. Uh, either way, um, I was familiar with the story. And so even me, I was like, wait, what the heck? That's not right. That's not how that's supposed to go. Um, but yeah, this this episode was long before the Disney acquisition. And I only say that to say that, you know, we a lot of fans like to blame, oh, it all these changes started with Disney. They just stopped paying attention to Expanded Universe and Legends and just stopped respecting yeah. it. This was on Cartoon Network, homie. Yeah, and when this, yeah, that's the thing is like this was before any of that, mm-hmm. you know. And it's not about disrespecting the legends; it's about telling the right story. And this is George Lucas's story. Mm-hmm. And now, I know on a previous episode when we talked about Mortis, I had said, "Hey, George Lucas isn't the only one who can tell Star Wars stories," and that's true. Now, mm-hmm. when George Lucas had it, it was his baby. Mm-hmm. You know, even the Clone Wars, he was involved in developing it. Yeah, this is my son. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these decisions, I mean, we've said, I want to bring back Maul. I want to name these Trandoshans this. I want to do this. You know, these were George Lucas's ideas. So when it was under his control, it was under his control. And if George Lucas didn't say it, it wasn't Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we're in a great place with Star Wars where George Lucas isn't the only voice. Mm -hmm. You know, we have several creative members who help shape Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going back on my word of, hey, you don't have to treat George Lucas as God tier of Star Wars information. Yeah. Just because George Lucas says it now doesn't mean it's true. And just because he said it before doesn't mean it can't change. But I am saying that the idea that there's a Star Wars story and then there's everything else mm-hmm. didn't start with Disney. Mm-hmm. They were already looking at the idea of, hey, I know he's supposed to die here. Yeah. But we want to tell this story. We think it works. Okay, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also at the same time, you also see how Dave Filoni respects the expanded universe, respects legends, respects the heritage of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, he doesn't do this to say, oh, I don't like legends. I want to do it this way. He says, you know what? If we don't do this, it doesn't work as well. So I think we should change this. And it's like, does it change anything about the movies? No. Okay, then do it. Yeah. So um, it's just one of those things to keep in perspective because now Disney did change a lot, mm-hmm. but they weren't the first. Yeah. And I think that's just an, a perspective we need to keep when things we love change. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't love Evan Peel before this. I still, he's not one of my favorite Jedi. So it wasn't, like, groundbreakingly different for me. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I can't believe this did, they did this. But um, when things I do love change, like, you know, Jango Fett and Boba Fett might not be Mandalorian anymore. I have to respect the fact that if that's the story they want to tell, that's the Star Wars I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just have to keep a positive perspective about, okay, well, I still have those other stories, but I understand that this is the story, and that's what they're going with. Yeah. I'm along for the ride. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that story doesn't go away. Yeah, and then that's the important thing, is if, if you want Evan Peel to die in the Spice Mines, 
Cool. Go ahead. Go read just, the just, comic. Just, you know, create your headcanon that, oh, he wasn't dead, he escaped, and blah, blah, blah. Do, you, you know. Do what you like. Disney's not going to come take your comics and books away just because they're legends. Exactly. So, but I, I don't want to make it a big, a big, like, y'all are bad and you're doing, I, I just wanted to mention, I, I like to point out when the Clone Wars decide to say, hey, this happened in an expanded universe, but we're going to change that. Because it's a good reminder Change didn't start with Disney. And if we go back to the first episode, ad adaptation is key to survival, it's the same thing. I mean, for Star Wars, some things have to change for the greater story to continue. Yeah. Um, so the Jedi take, to honor, take time to honor Master Piel in a scene very reminiscent to the funeral for Newton Hicks in Alien 3 as the Jedi, as the little Jedi, is force dropped into a lava volcano. Yeah, uh, it's... Love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's also funny because it's also like, oh, look at the little tiny, tiny thing. Because they, they wrap him up. I don't know where they got the wraps. Uh, underwear. Jedi underwear. <laughs> um, I don't know where they got the wraps, but they wrapped him up, and it's just like... It just looked like a little tiny... I don't know. It's just tiny. <laughs> I can't. I can't give this scene the emotional gravity it deserves because he's tiny. I can't, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should be. Oh, uh, I am. I can't help it. But uh, lava, lava funeral. Lava funeral. Great funeral. <laughs> you know. What a way to go. Great final resting place. Exactly. For your Padawan or your master. I mean, I do appreciate that they at least just didn't leave his body. Yeah. Because if they didn't do nothing, they were just gonna stay there. Mm -hmm. For instance. In the Padawan Lost episodes, Ahsoka just leaves a dead body in the jungle. Mm -hmm. Probably. That, that, it got yeah. eaten. It got, it got eaten. eaten. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, put her in the water or something? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Burn it's her? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe that, I, you know, I don't, you know. Reduce, yeah. reuse, and recycle your Jedi guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they did reduce them. Significantly. Yeah. Um. Uh, but our team has to get a move on. The Republic fleet arrive in full force with several cruisers, while Kit Fisto, Adigalia, and Sassi Ten help handle the fighters. Plo Koon and the Wolfpack head out to their Plo's Bros gunship to pick up what's left of their team. Also, another shirt thing that I got. I got <laughs> the Plo's Bros t-shirt with the picture on it, and it is another one of my favorite shirts. Now. Yeah, it's really cute. It's, um... Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Orabesh, Plo's bros, mm -hmm. and it's um, characterizations of Plo and two clones. Yeah. Uh, it's the nose art for their ship, which is really cool. I love... They're the only ones that really show that kind of com camaraderie. Because mm -hmm. even with Anakin and the 501st that he works with, it's still very, like, lighthearted and, and, you know, it's still... But it's also serious mm -hmm. in the sense, like, you know... I mean, because that's Anakin's personality. He's as lighthearted as he is serious. With, mm -hmm. Plo Koon, with Plo Koon, though, he's just such a dad. He is. He's everyone's dad. And it's just, it's so adorable to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, it, that's one of the saddest clone-Jedi relationships because yeah. they're one of the ones that show such a loving relationship. Yeah. And I know, guys, there are others, but I'm just saying they're one of. Because mm -hmm. usually it's a, oh, man, they were good work buddies. I mean, if we're honest. Mm -hmm. But there there's some that are legit relationships. Yeah. It's like every time Plo Koon calls Ahsoka, Soka. Right. It just, it makes me happy. Little Soka. <laughs> um, so as the team arrives at the extraction point, 
Sobek finally catches up with them just to show never have a funeral when you're in a hurry. Exactly. I feel like they would have, well, I mean, the, the pickup wouldn't have been there, so they still would have had to deal with them. But they could have at least gotten there and been prepared. Yeah. Uh, the struggle is real while the Jedi try and deal with the droid speeders, but in the fray, Fives gets off a good shot that grounds Sobek. Tarkin attempts to kill the Warden, but is attacked and almost killed himself until Soka uh, snakes a, blow, a killing blow on Sobek and saves the guy she probably would have rather gotten thrown in the lava. Yeah. I mean, strong character choice there. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did need the codes. So yeah. That, uh, that was probably Ahsoka's logic. <laughs> we only got half the codes. Right. Yeah, because um, yeah, um, she has the other one from... PL, so she was probably like, I have to save this guy. Um, what's interesting, though, is the ending we got was actually one of three that were discussed um, originally. Um, but in the in all the, the research I could find, Filoni's ever, ever detailed two. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to imagine maybe one was where Evan PL lived, maybe? Maybe. I'm not entirely sure. But um, he discussed the first that he liked better, actually, was uh, Tarkin kills Sobek in cold blood after five shoots down a speeder. And it's meant to symbolize Tarkin's ruthlessness and the future of the Republic as the Empire. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very, like, you know, you'd have the Imperial March going in the background kind of moment where it's like, yep, that's our future. Um, but ultimately, he and George didn't feel like it fit because it's one of those things like if the Jedi saw that and didn't report or call into question that it kind of call you know it makes them seem like either dumb or complicit mm-hmm. like yeah he killed the guy ruthlessly but uh, I'm not going to talk about it mm-hmm. you know and so it was one of those things where it's like yeah it would have been a really big clue like he's not a good guy no um so they decided to change it um and so we got this you know, the other ending, the ending that we got, where Ahsoka kills Sobek, uh, but they chose to specifically use a fashion um, that Anakin is um, accustomed to by stabbing the um, by stabbing Sobek behind the back. Um, and what makes it foreboding, and which goes back to the opening of um, you know victory without honor. Um, is hollow or whatever it's at. I'm, I'm too lazy to scroll back in my notes. Yes. But, um, you know, when Tarkin gets done, he fixes himself up and tells Anakin, like, you trained her well. And that that's the line. We don't, sp- we don't spend time on it. We don't really address it. It moves on because the ship's here. Let's go. But it's that line that makes it up. I rescued him, but I also kind of killed in cold blood. Uh, there might have been an alternative way I could have done that, you know. Yeah. Um, basically, we see a little bit too much of Anakin and Ahsoka in that moment. And it's really interesting after just watching Mortis where her future self says, you know, he's sown seeds of the dark side in you. Mm-hmm. Now, we can take this real, real deep and real, real far, get the tinfoil hats and everything, but I think the main thing we're just meant to take is that Ahsoka is getting a little too brash like Anakin. Like we see in the beginning of the arc. Yeah, in the sense that if she's not careful, she's going to fall prey to the same things Anakin would fall prey to. Mm -hmm. Um, And she needs to be stronger than that. She needs to be better than that. And so, again, we don't really, we don't have a moment of Ahsoka being like, oh, darn, I don't need to do that again. 
you know, it just... I can't imagine Ahsoka saying darn. <laughs> it just moves God on. God dang. Um, but for us as the audience, we when we see that, it's that perspective of, yeah. oh, we want to cheer because it was the right thing, but maybe it wasn't exactly the right thing. I mean, if you've got a guy like Tarkin saying, good job, eh, <laughs> that should cause you to shiver a little bit. Yeah. I imagine if this wasn't a kid's show, Ahsoka would have a potty mouth because Anakin would have a <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah, I, I wonder what the Jedi rules are on profanity. <laughs> Obi-Wan would have a secret potty mouth. Exactly. Yeah. He'd have a sassy potty mouth. Yeah. Uh, so the team makes their escape and arrive back on Coruscant. Tarkin and Anakin have a moment, and just when it seems all like a happy ending, Tarkin reveals that he was strictly ordered to report only to the Chancellor with the code while Anakin... Well, Ahsoka says that she was rep- told to report only to the Jedi Council. It's an interesting conflict to the end, as Yoda just says he will have to talk to the Chancellor to resolve it, but reinforces what Anakin and Tarkin have been discussing the whole time. The Jedi really don't belong in this capacity, mm-hmm. which we knew. Yeah, yeah, because Tarkin was told by the Chancellor, bring me the codes. Because mm-hmm. um, his idea was probably, I don't want the Jedi to have these. I don't want them to think too much about what I'll do with this. Mm-hmm. Just bring it to me. Um, but I don't necessarily think Evan P.L. was thinking of that when he told Ahsoka, tell Jedi Council. Mm-hmm. But I think it was wise to that effect because it showed Evan was like, hey, you're a Jedi, not a general. Tell this to the other Jedi. And I think also it's Ahsoka's hard-headedness. Yeah. I think in that moment she was like, well, I could just knuckle under and tell the Chancellor my part of the codes. But you but. know what? I don't like you. <laughs> so instead, I'm yeah. only talking to the Jedi Council. Which is very just, Anakin of her. Yeah, just to make it difficult. And um, ultimately, I feel like the re- resolution ended up just being that the Chancellor got what he wanted. Because we He's see in Episode right. 3, they get there. Um, I can't imagine that the Chancellor would have allowed them not to give him the codes. Yeah. Because the thing is, technically, the Jedi don't shouldn't have access to that. That's military stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know. But the Jedi are military now, too. I, are yeah. they? They're, it's they're so, I mean, blurred lines, man. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the beautiful undertone of these episodes. You know, it's a great escape room kind of episode. It's a great episode of great character development and cool action. Mm-hmm. But it's also a deep episode in that it makes you think more and more about is this really right for the Jedi? And the answer is going to always be no, but they're going to do it anyway. Because mm-hmm. we know how it ends. Yeah. But it shows if they had stuck to their standards, they really could have avoided um, what came about. Yeah. So it's unfortunate. But good episodes overall. Have you got any specific thoughts on any things you particularly liked? I like the uh, reintroduction of Tarkin. Definitely. Like, we've talked extensively about it but i just i just like seeing tarkin again yeah i think that was a big thing i that keeps this as one of my favorite episodes because it's not just the great introduction of him but he's just an interesting character to have around he creates conflict just being around the right people yes and so it's cool because it's like oh there's tarkin but it's also cool because it's like oh man this is interesting Mm -hmm. um and i like that it develops a pre-vader relationship Mm mm-hmm you know, because Tarkin actually always suspected. He already believed it was Anakin. Mm-hmm. So 
it shows the kind of relationship that they would have in some capacity. Um, and, and, and to Anakin, it all seems so innocent because it's just like, oh man, it's nice to have such a smart military leader like you in charge. You know, it's like, the Republic's going to do great with you. He doesn't see any, because he agrees too much. Exactly. Um, and that's the problem, is when we're blinded by the exterior characteristics of people, that we can't see their morality, we'll forgive a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay. You know, it's like, oh yeah, they are kind of a toxic friend, but they make really good lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, or it's like, you know, oh, you know, she's really abusive, but if I let her go, I might not have another, you know, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It, or, hey, my boss is kind of not nice. He's mm-hmm. very sour and very judgmental. But what am I going to do if I, you know, j- decide to change jobs? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be able to take care of myself? Like, we always weigh the options of, I see bad morality. Do I say something about it or do I do something about it? Or do I just let go of it because of what might happen? Yeah. Um, so I think we have to definitely learn from that aspect of the Anakin-Tarkin relationship in that you know, someone's morality matters far more than their character. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't matter how nice they talk to you if they treat you like crap, too. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so we'll leave it there for now, guys. Um, and our next episode will be out shortly, um, later this day. Uh, and we'll do our announcements and all that good stuff in that episode. Um, but the big things um, just are Twitter, Facebook, follow, like, Connect with us there. And if you like the show, like what we do, and want to help us do it more, uh, head over to our Patreon page to see how you can do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll be back later today with more episodes. Hope you guys enjoy. Make sure you let us know what you thought of these episodes with Tarkin and Anakin and all this interesting stuff. And what's your take on Christopher Walken? Do you hate him as much as Megan? I don't hate Christopher Walken. (laughs) I love Christopher Walken. I just hate that voice. So, guys, without further ado, uh, stay scruffy. And may that force be with you. Bye.